This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. When heartbreak rings, answer the door. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I'm with my guest, Joanne. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. And I have my mock cocktail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got my, my vodka. I love very my good. vodka. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I tried various vodka drinks on the cruise I was on last month. So. <laughs> vodka <it> out. <laughs> Do I like vodka or tequila? And Vodka and rum certainly made it over the tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure where to start, but I could say I've been married almost as many times as Elizabeth Taylor. You know, that's not my best claim to flame, but I I can say that. And I'll be happy to share why Um, I've been married seven times and most of those ended in divorce. Uh, Yeah, pretty much most of them did. One, One died. I'm not not my fault, but one died, and um, the rest pretty much ended in divorce. And there's been some kind of abuse and definitely codependency that went on with each one of those. So now I'm on a new path, <laughs> and um, and people are probably going, "Well, it's, it's like it's like you know, I'm, I'm not laughing it off because it, it wasn't bad and hard and things like that." But I, I've realized because I keep learning lessons with each marriage, and as I was just talking to a friend before we got on here, it's like, you know, I, I don't see myself as a victim and I have moved on from all that. And, you know, I'm strong. So it's like, you know, it, it's good. <laughs> I'm not, not, not happy that I had to learn those hard lessons, but I guess I had to learn them for a reason. No, absolutely. Same thing with me. I feel like almost every relationship you take something from it. And, you know, you can have friends telling you about things and you got alarm bells ringing in your head because you're like, no, 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 no. You have no idea, like, the path you're going down. Right. And you have to learn the hard way sometimes. But I honestly and truly feel like it makes it makes you who you are today. And I wouldn't change who I've become for anything. Oh, good. Well, and. You know, I, I'm working with a few different mentors now, and um, it's like, well, make your and especially with COVID, gave me some extra time to work on this. But now that I'm I'm in therapy, and basically your bucket list for the kind of relationship you want, and so I'm getting very clear on that. <laughs> and I don't want to use bad words on your show. <laughs> Because I don't want to offend anybody. It's like, you know, it's like I I have learned that I don't need to take any crap off of anybody. And and that doesn't mean I need to be selfish or, you know, not the authentic me. But I just don't need to put up with the crap. And I'm old enough so that I really don't need to do that. You know, I can be picky and happy. (laughs) Yes. And and not necessarily lonely. But, you know, it's like I, I can afford to be pickier 
and and there were there were silly reasons why I got married so many times, and we might as well you know we might as well dive into that if you're ready. I'm ready. Um, okay. Okay. You know, it's like I I grew up and there were many alcoholics in my lineage. So that that kind of taught me how to be a codependent. You know, when you see your mom, and I'm not blaming my mom, but when you see that pattern, you become a codependent. So that's part of it. But I, I was a Mormon for 30 years, at least 30 years. Yeah, I think that's about right. And, you know, you get this little image, and I have nothing against the church. It just, I left it after 30 years. But you get this picture of marriage as, you know, the little house, the little happy family, forever happy family, and you're going to raise a million kids, and you're going to be all spiritual and do all your church stuff, and everybody's going to be wonderful, and everybody's going to want to parent the same way, and everybody's got the same idea of, you know, how a marriage should work and how couples should work together, and, you know, that just wasn't how it was for me, and and then you get the the, it's like, well, no sex before marriage, and so when your hormones are raging in your, well, well, teens, yes, but early 20s and going on, and especially if you've been married already once or twice or whatever, it's like, okay, and you're not, it's like, so you want to have that courtship short, <laughs> or you do have the courtship short, but it's just like, I didn't listen to the alarm bells, and there were plenty going off, and, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy, and some of my marriages, my my parents or my mom is just like, you know, I don't really think you should marry that guy. Oh, you know, what do you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I don't really. Uh, it's OK. I'm, I, you know, I feel I feel good about it. it. It'll be OK. You know, I prayed about it. It's fine. And, and my parents weren't members of the church or anything. So, you know, I just never I just assume. And, and by marriage number two, I had married somebody who was not a member of the church and he committed suicide. So that was bad enough. But now I have this toddler who needs a dad. And, you know, I just thought, well, I need to get married again so she could have a dad. And I kept trying to find a good dad and, and I just kept picking the wrong people. And, you know, it's like the, the first marriage, the, the first red flag was we were having our wedding reception and cutting the cake and the top layer fell off. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, God, there, okay, there's a sign. And then we go camping and his parents, like, you know, truck camper thing for our honeymoon. And he's really allergic to dust and dirt and, and all this stuff. So, like, day two of our honeymoon, he's having a bad allergy. So the honeymoon gets cut short. It's like, because this is what life's going to be like. <laughs> and And then it was like, you know, then he thought it was funny to like pinch my arms and do weird little, weird little mean things. And it was funny. And I was like, yeah, that, that doesn't really sit well with me. And then he finally admitted, you know, we, we just, you know, and here were these two 20, you know, 20 year old Mormons and it's, you know, life's supposed to be wonderful. And, and I'm going, you know, I don't think you're supposed to be pinching my arms and I don't think you're supposed to be throwing water or milk on me because you're mad at me. And and yes, it wasn't serious, serious physical abuse, but it was, you know, it's like there it just wasn't going well. And then finally, as we're really splitting up and it's like, well, he goes, I never really loved you. It's like, what? You know, and, and I was thin for 20. I was thin and he was a photography major and used to seeing all these models 
And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be a size two, dude, you know, but I was not, you know, at 120, I wasn't fat, but I was never thin enough. And uh, I was just the whole theme through all these marriages, I was just never enough. And that really sucks. And I never really loved you. You know, my family thought, you know, it's time I got married. So I picked you because you were a home ec major. And yeah, great. I could bake a good pie. And it's like, excuse me. <laughs> There's a little bit more to marriage than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was planning to go, you know, continue college as well. And I was like, well, no, you know, I'm the one that's almost done with my degree and you need to stay home and, and work so that we have enough money to live on. It's like, Okay, so I dropped out of college and, you know, I was earning the money and we split up and I moved back east where my family was. And it's like, um, oh, well, I think we should try again. I go, well, then you come to Connecticut and talk to me. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. It's like, well, I'm not flying back to Utah to talk to you. <laughs> so we got divorced. And then a few years later, he marries. Well, I don't know how soon he married somebody else. And a few years later, she was, you know, she wrote me and. It's like, well, you know, yeah, oh, we're so happy. And he never wanted kids with, you know, I thought, okay, we need to start a family right now, you know. So that just wasn't going to happen. And then his new little wife, oh, yeah, we have a kid or two. I don't know how many. They started having kids right away. I think he had to cut his, he had to drop out of school or didn't finish his degree anyway. Went back to the career that he didn't want. And, but, you know, she was thin and she was tiny and she was petite. And it's like, great, you've got your picture perfect wife. <laughs> And so, you know, it's just, eh. and husband number two, um, we had a, like, we were met and married within a month. Now that I wouldn't advise that to anybody. That's your first mistake. (laughs) Yes. But I also got pregnant in there. So it's a good thing we got married anyway, because I didn't know I was pregnant. You know, so, okay. Number one, I broke the church rules. And number two, we're getting married too fast. But my family liked him, actually. And he wasn't a member. But it turns out he was an alcoholic and he was addicted to drugs from an accident he'd had during his time in the Navy. But nobody told me that. And his family just thought, well, if he gets, if he marries a nice Mormon girl, he'll just straighten out. Like, okay, no, you cannot cure somebody of their addictions just because you're a nice Mormon girl. (laughs) So pretty soon it became obvious that I was pregnant and, and, and that was fine. We were thrilled. You know, we were all, that was, that was fine. I wanted a kid. He wanted a kid. But again, you know, he's having me, I'm trying to be this good Mormon. Well, okay. I really don't want you paying tithing. That takes money out of our budget. Uh, Do you really have to go to church? I'd rather us do something on the weekend. Um, Would you please stop? Well, not even please on your way home from work. Would you stop at the liquor store and buy me this? It's like, I've never been in a liquor store in my life, dude, let alone buy anything (laughs) alcoholic. But I did it because I was a codependent. And I was enabling him, his alcoholism, because I wanted this marriage to work. Then I remember, you know, I was, we split up when I was seven months old, because he kicked me out. And by then he was also suicidal. But um, before that, I remember just sitting there on his lap and we're cuddling and he's blowing pot smoke in my mouth thinking that was funny. It's like, dude, I'm pregnant. I I should not be in, I'm not going to inhale it, but I shouldn't even be having it around me, you know? And it's like, Oh my God, what have I done to my kid? (laughs) And then, you know, I I made the mistake once of really getting mad at him and, and saying, you know, I hope you haven't damaged, 
I hope your drug use hasn't damaged the fetus. And it didn't. But, you know, he didn't he didn't like that at all. He kicked me out when I was seven months pregnant. Again, I went back to live with my parents and I was trying to move on because I and we weren't getting, you know, it's like that marriage would have ended in divorce like the first one. And then he committed suicide, which was horrible. He saw his daughter twice. You know, she was five weeks old when he died. He didn't know she had been born. Like somebody had to go to his apartment and tell him she had been born. But he got to see her twice, and then he committed suicide. So she never knew her father. Luckily, she she grew up knew, knowing, you know, his, his siblings or so her aunts and her grandparents and her cousins and stuff. So she always remained, you know, we've always remained close to that side of the family. And that, that's been wonderful. But, yeah, th- that, that wasn't good. The next guy was another Mormon. And again, you know, so my daughter was still, she was like a toddler when he and I met and, you know, he was this, had a good position in the church and acted like this really great Mormon guy. And, and I was starting to date and I wondered what's like, why aren't, why isn't anybody asking me out but this guy? Cause a few people had. And then later I find out, well, I was telling them that you're mine and they should leave. You. Don't, you know, don't, don't date you. Don't even ask you out. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you got to give me a choice here. And and we got married. We eloped to Las Vegas because, again, the hormones are raging, so you can't wait for a long courtship. We eloped to, to Las Vegas, and on the way, we had a car accident. This guy in front of us was, like, carrying lumber in his pickup, and the piece of lumber flew out into the windshield. And it's like, okay. And we dropped the baby off at my mom's house and went to Las Vegas to get married. I'm thinking, what an idiot. Why, why did I do that? And it's like, and your audience is probably going, Oh my gosh, this woman. And again, and it turned out this guy, he was, he was larger and he had such an inferiority complex and through whatever his upbringing was, you know, but he turned out to be so abusive. He had this, well, I'm the, and again, in the Mormon church, you know, the man is the head of the household, but you're supposed to be equal partners. You know, you're supposed to be helpmates. And, but the man is the head of, so, you know, what the man says goes. And it's like, and, and he took that literally. And it's like, yeah, okay. I'm a Leo. I'm really independent. And, you know, this isn't, it's like, this is, this not flying so well with me. Not that I don't want my husband to feel like he's doing his duty or anything, but he thought nothing of, well, your daughter's got, like big big heavy cloth diapers on so I'm just gonna swat her you know okay you're not her dad yet you're not later he adopted her but he he was starting to be very physically abusive and he only hit me a couple times I remember we lived in California Southern California in a crappy neighborhood couple crappy neighborhoods and then we decided oh we're gonna move to Ohio where some of his family lives and you know job opportunities would be better there blah 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 for some reason, there was like, my mom was going to have this birthday party for my grandma. And I think it conflicted with his work schedule. And I think he just assumed they planned it that way so he couldn't go. So all of a sudden, my daughter and I are banned from going to see my family at all. Like, you're really kidding me, right? And my mom's going, are you going to take that? And I'm going, eh, I want him to be the head of the house. And, you know, my, so my everybody's mad. And he he takes off for Ohio to live there. So, you know, I didn't go to the party, but I did start seeing my family before I left because I was to follow later with her after we packed up and put our mobile home on the market and all that stuff. And 
And so then I get to Ohio and he's all mad because, you know, I went and saw my mom. It's like, well, I, you know, I'm not going to not say goodbye to my parents. Like before he left for Ohio, we had an argument and he broke every window in our mobile home. It's like, are you crazy? And I went to the church leader and I said, this guy's abusive. Well, has he hit you? Do you think he's going to hit you? I go, I don't think so. You know, right now he's just taking it out on this stuff. Well, then, you know, eh, you know, I guess I don't need to do anything. It's like, you don't think you ought to talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, we moved and that's where the physical abuse towards my daughter and me started. And I remember um, going out, doing church service one day with one of the other women. And I left her alone with him and she was two or three she was still a toddler preschooler toddler and you know I was gone for hours and I came back and I'm walking in the house and she's on the couch laying down with her little pink quilted robe and she's got this big bruise on her face and there's nothing more crushing for a mother to come home and find out that their kids got a huge bruise on their face and knowing that she didn't just fall down and you know randomly hit herself and she she pissed him off I don't even know what she did it didn't even matter but he he hit her and he this guy's huge and he hit her and again did I do anything did I call the police no did I walk out on him no did I call the church no it's it's one of those things where you hear this all the time it's like why don't why don't you leave him why did you let it go on why didn't you call the police it's like you know I, I don't know I just didn't and that Forever, you know, my daughter and I are still healing over those kind of things. And we've worked through a lot of that and we are doing much better. Um, there, you know, there was a time shortly after that where he hit me up the side of my head. And okay, and that really hurt. And I ended up going to the doctor and he's going, Your husband, you know, like you hit you, you know, uh, you know, on the head, right? I go, Yeah, but I, you know, almost broke his thumb when he did that because I, you know, grabbed his hand and like pushed his thumb back as hard as I could. We were together like three, three years. And I did, you know, I finally said I've had enough. He worked for an ambulance company. So he'd be gone like two days at a time. And I called my mom and I said, I need money to fly home. Okay. And in his two day time period, I had stuff packed. I had a friend who we were going to take it to the trucking place. And then there was this blizzard. He came home between blizzards. And I said, you're driving us to the airport. We're leaving. Bye. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> he actually drove you? Yeah, he drove us to the airport. Because it was, you know, we, we probably lived, I don't know, at least an hour or more from the Cleveland airport. But I made him drive us to the airport, and he did. Because he had adopted her, I had to, it, it took us a couple of years to get a divorce, but I had to allow visitation, even though she only saw him a few times, and she didn't really want to see him. And, you know, we fought over child support. And if people think they have to pay a lot of child support, I only got $100 a month out of him. And I usually only got it when he'd get a tax return or tax refund or this or that. So it it, it was hard. And th that was really hard. A few years later, then I met the next guy. And again, you know, he was a really nice guy. You know, we were good at the dancing and having fun. But, you know, then as soon as we got married, you know, he thought he needed to be all macho. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, you don't have a real job because I'm a bookkeeper. So that's all brain stuff and thinking. And, and he finally got a job and he was like, I don't know, delivering ice cream and milk and, you know, whatever physical work. It's like, oh, you don't have a real job. Like, excuse me, I I'm bringing in more money than you are. 
<laughs> just because I'm not toting a crate of ice cream. It's like, you know, what's wrong with my job? And, and then he started to get abusive too. And it's like one time, you know, my daughter's seven. They didn't, they never got along. And she kicked him with her little seven-year-old feet. He had cowboy boots on and kicked her back in her shins. It's like, dude, you just like broke the, the skin. You know, she's got this bump and a bruise and it's like, ah. And I remember one time I was just trying to be affectionate and like pinched him or, you know, was trying to be affectionate and he just got all mad at me and, and got a little physical back and like, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> and that marriage only lasted a year. Then the next guy, he, we, we got along fine as long as, and I, I, okay, I've said this before. It's like, I've never been a size two. I'm never going to be a size two, but I'm not, I, I, anyway, I am what I am. And, but I still was, I was kind of thin, but you know, I've always tended to like, you know, if you're unhappy, you probably eat. I do. And it's like, when you're not unhappy, you know, you tend to keep a decent weight. And when I started gaining weight, it's like, he would withhold affection. It's like, finally got, it's like, well, okay, that's like, and again, the, the prevailing theme is, well, you're not enough. And, you know, I don't like you now that you've put on some weight. It's like, well, I'm feeding all your kids and I'm working and I'm, you know, taking in my stepkids and, you know, and I'm going, you know, going along with all your crap and your, you know, you're not great employment and things like that. And so finally I just said, yeah, we're done. And my daughter, we, we moved from a decent part of town to like right downtown, which was like the train tracks were like literally behind our apartment. And my daughter was so embarrassed that we lived there. You know, she would never, I think she let one friend come see it. It's like, otherwise she'd have everybody drop her off because our circumstances had changed so dramatically. And, you know, I all of a sudden was really poor and I'd run up all this debt trying to keep, the whole household together. And again, so, oh, and the other thing, this kind of this, the abuse that I had with him was financial because I was putting in money and he wasn't making a lot, but then he talked me into investing some money that I shouldn't have into something that bust. And so then all of a sudden I owe this person whose money I invested like 15 grand, which I had to pay back, which I did. And then, so now I'm, accumulating debt and having to do bankruptcy because I've taken on all this debt because of this dirt bag. And um, finally, when he, you know, he was married to somebody else later and going to sell their house, I said, well, here's a, here's an actual lien on your house. You, you, when you sell it, I get that 15 grand back and I got it, but it, it's, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to have to go through bankruptcy, but it's really embarrassing and and then to have him show up at bankruptcy court with the new wife and their two or three kids that they just started having one after another. And it's like, eh. <laughs> it's like, and because I claimed it's like, I'm having to file bankruptcy because of this guy. So he shows up with the wife and babies all in tow. And it's like, oh, this is great. This is really great. You know, to this day, we don't talk about it. But um, I have explained to his daughters who I am now back in touch with. Um, you know, well, here's what happened. Your dad made it sound like I was the bad guy. And this is what happened. You know, they, they, he made it sound like I, I had this bogus claim that he owed me all this money. It's like, no, you know, that, that really happened. So, you know, they, they get it now. Um, okay. Any questions before I keep going? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Um, it's interesting because one of the things my daughter, again, I've, 
we've had to do a lot of healing. And thankfully, I'm living now six blocks away from her. So we've had three years to really work on healing things, which has been a blessing. Um, And probably not everybody gets that opportunity, but I'm really grateful that we've been able to work on a lot of our stuff. Face it, dating sucked in your 20s, gets worse in your 30s, and your 40s, forget it. It's a cesspool out there, and we're your flotation device. Join us weekly for saucy chat, ridiculous love gurus, and MILF-worthy fun to spice up your life. The MILF MILF and and Me Podcast. Podcast. Every Wednesday on your favorite pod platform. And the MILFandMePod.com. The MILF MILF and and Me Podcast. The next guy um, was... Now that I look back at him, he was pretty boring, except we really danced well together. And when you're a single Mormon adult, they have these dances. And and I, I knew him through church, but then we started showing up at the same dances. It's like, oh, this guy dances really well. Oh, now we start, you know, we started going out and we, you know, we had fun. And we it's like so and I my should da- marry him. I know <laughs> I should. Well, and here's the thing: my daughter was gonna go off to Japan as a foreign exchange student. So God forbid I live alone for a while, you know. <laughs> I should have lived alone. I would have been just fine. And so we get engaged and she, she boycotted the marriage. She would not come to the wedding. Bless her heart. She was probably right. I should have boycotted the marriage. (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't make so light of this. I I could, I, I realized, and you know, I have written a book, but I could also do a comedy routine. And he just got, he was just boring. Life was boring. And she came back from Japan. And so then he and I separated for a while. And then we got back together. But it's like, you know, and then I started going to therapy. And he goes, well, this is none of my fault. You, I'm not going to go to therapy. I, I've got nothing to say. It's like, okay, you won't go to therapy so we can work on this together? No, it's all your fault. It's like, okay, see ya. <laughs> and And so there wasn't a lot of abuse there, but there wasn't a lot of let's work together kind of stuff. Okay. And then I met the guy I just got divorced from and uh, we've been, we had been together like 25 years. We met, we courted for five years. He was in prison. I knew that at the time, my roommate at the time came home and said, Oh, you know, I met this really smart guy. He's really nice. He's visiting with his mom. I go, Oh, smart. Okay. That, that could be a new kind of boyfriend. That'd be good. And we started writing and and that was that was fun. And then I started visiting him and we courted like for five years. And I thought, oh, this guy's smart. He's got all these interesting stories. You know, it sounds like he's got some money, which I, I was not, I, I didn't ever look at it like, oh, I've made it big now. He's got money. He, he made it, he made it sound like he had money. You know, we got married and we just our divorce was just final in May, and we um, so we were together married for over almost almost twenty one years, which was a huge progress for me. <laughs> but little was little he did in I know prison the whole time. Or? He was he was already in prison. So I would go when he lived close enough. I would go every week to visit. When he lived like at the other end of the state, I would only go once a month. When he lived like several hours away, I would just go. I would still go every week, but maybe just the one day I wouldn't go stay down there. I would just come home. I would just see him once a week. And so that's, that was, we'd write each other every day and sometimes he would call, um, but usually we would just write each other every day. And he was a prolific writer and I was doing some research for him while I was still working. I, you know, had this building my, 
I had worked for different companies and then I opened my bookkeeping private practice again and was really building that up. And it's very successful, but he turned out to be a narcissist. <laughs> and I've been in therapy for three years now for that. So the next book is going to be about that, even though I need to change all the names, but um, it's like, yes, I'm sorry. He was in prison, my dear. I, I know that didn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your go in prison for nothing so oh, well, ask, what what did he go to prison for he was accused of okay sorry i'm talking really fast he was accused of masterminding a murder of some the, a murder happened he really had nothing to do with it but the kids who did it who were working for his reconstruction type company said he planned this murder for this guy that owed him money. They were doing a job for him. And, and it was a pretty highly publicized murder in 1982. And I still, to this day, you know, regardless of everything else, believe that he did not do it. Cause I've read through all this stuff and, you know, I just don't believe he did it. Um, he also worked for the military, which is true. I've got all that proof. And he was doing a lot of top secret stuff for them. So we, we, you know, as strange as it sounds, most of us are convinced that he was doing something for the military that he can't talk about and they can't prove it. So, you know, he's been stuck in prison for almost 40 years. Um, that aside, <laughs> he's a very selfish person and I shouldn't laugh. Um, and I was living in his family's house and paying for everything for 20 years. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm going along. It's like, and I would tell him all this is like, okay, another tree fell down. Another a sewer thing happened. You know, I was telling, I was in full communication about everything. As long as I was visiting him and taking care of his needs, everything was fine. And then along came before COVID happened. Um, I got to thinking, you know, I want to retire in a few years and if we don't figure out a way for him to help start paying for some of this stuff, I'm not going to be able to retire because I hardly have any money saved for retirement because I keep paying for the house and I keep paying for this and this and this. And I was running around speaking on his behalf for these military things and running up some debt to do that. Cause you don't get paid to speak much at a conference. And I had published a couple of his books that actually, you know, his mom helped pay for that stuff, but um, that was back before print on demand. So you publish books in hard copy and it costs a lot of money. And now they're sitting in storage because you don't sell them all. <laughs> and um, it's like, can we dump these? No, no, no. I'm sure they'll still sell. It's like, oh, you know, but before COVID, I kept thinking, you know, um, I'm looking around and going, okay, Joanne, you're in your 60s and your needs are not getting met on many levels. And many, many levels. And um, and I had said before COVID hit, I'm getting older and I want to retire by, um, by the time I'm 70, you know, and I still had a few years to go. And it's like, so we need to come up with a plan so that we can either downsize the house. Cause like, you know, you got to walk up three flights of stairs to get into the house. It's, you know, it's not a good house for old people. And, you know, I want you to come home if you're ever going to come home. But it's like this house is really hard to live in and it's fallen apart and da, 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 da. And I said, we need to come up with a plan. Okay. Okay. And so time went on and I let him start working on a plan. 
and I do I do a lot of energy work and people might consider what I do woo woo stuff but anyway I I was taking a class on psychic development and one of the things at the end was like you know cut an energetic cord with stuff that doesn't work for you anymore like okay I I need to cut off the cord that you know it's like the relationship needs to change from what it is so what is this? This is 2012. So, you know, at least three years ago, I was already thinking things really need to change. And I'd start to like bring up stuff to him. Well, and then I decided to move to Oregon away from California and away from the house. And it's like, and he finally got my letter saying I was going to do that. And he blew up. It's like, okay. And he started to put all these things in motion. It's like, okay, well, you need to get all your stuff out of the house. And so the meanness started coming up and I'd only seen him mean a couple times. And it's like, and he's quiet when he's mean. And it's like, you don't want to be on the other end of that. Cause for a narcissist, it's all about doing stuff for them and it's their agenda. And you, you have to be constantly taking care of them and they'll make you think they'll make you think like they love you and that you're being taken care of. And I'm going to cry, but I'm sorry. Um, it's really not that way. And, you know, so he, I go, you know, you didn't even talk. I didn't, wasn't planning on divorce. I just needed to get out of that house before another tree fell. And before I had to, it's like, you know, the house is just depressing me. I can't, I can't do it. And I moved to Portland, but he was so, he was so angry and so convinced. It's like, don't go into commando mode. Talk to me first. He was not good about talking about hard stuff and narcissists aren't and they just aren't. And so then, you know, over the course of the next three years, it's like, okay, are we, we'd start to talk about a few things. Okay. We're okay. You know, this, you know, I really was not planning on divorce. I really, I just, I, and there was no visiting for that first year of COVID. So why, why live there when I can't even see you when I can go be near my daughter, you know, and, and quarantine in a bubble where I can see a few people and not nobody. Cause I had to start doing all my work at home and all that. And then visiting started slowly mo- opening up and, and I would go see him occasionally. And then the normal visiting started opening up a lot. It's like, well, I thought you'd move back after that opened up. I go, why? It's like the house is falling apart and I still don't have a plan on how you're going to fix it up or start paying for it. And why don't you sell it. Well, that that would be the smart thing to do. Um, and I kept saying we should probably need we should probably sell it, but it's his family home and it's his only tie to the community if he ever gets paroled, and it's his legacy and it's his. Okay. It's, when it's, is he supposed to be released? Well, there's the good question. He has life without parole. So unless things dramatically change, You're who in, knows? What the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I can only be as blunt as I can be, but what the fuck were you thinking? I don't know. I just, I just thought, I thought he'd come home and I thought, you know, because, oh, this is going to be so great when I come home and we'll go out, you know, we'll, you know, here's what I'd like to do for our anniversary. And here's what I'd like to do if I was home for your birthday. And he just made it all sound good unless it wasn't. And then it was like, you know, then. At some point, well, because he had told me he had sold an asset that he supposedly has, and he was going to have a friend start working on the house. And I go, there's way too much 
that needs to be done to the house, even to rent it. And it's like, I can't live there right now the way it is. It's just driving me crazy. And it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix it up properly, even to rent it. Well, it's like, I, I, I'm not taking out a loan for your house. The house was not even community property. It's in a trust for him. So I like his legacy had already sailed down a river. And um, <laughs> so he needs to just sell the house. Yes. And, you know, and, and it probably, it probably will have to be sold because, you know, I've been gone for three years and the house hasn't gotten any better shape and I've still paid for trees falling down. And I, I finally stopped paying for everything. And in the midst of all this, and, you know, we finally, Back in November, we finally agreed, okay, yeah, you know, we probably should, you know, it's like, we're, we're done. We need to get a divorce. Like, yeah, that, that is happening, dude. You know, there's no question about it. And it was like, well, you know, you started your business in my home and you turned your back on my needs. It's like, well, uh, my business was paying for all your needs. You know, it's like, um, I, I go, well, like, why were, didn't you want to be more affectionate? Oh, because you should have tried to be prettier. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Okay, no, no, I know I'm a size two. <laughs> and it's not like I wore sweatpants to the visits. <laughs> it's like, it's, do, what kind of do I look like I'm 68, please? No. Do you not see very many gray hairs? Okay, thank you. No, I, but you know. I just don't understand what he expected. He is behind bars, and you guys aren't really even supposed to embrace you're not well actually we could you know you get to a point where they allowed lifers to have family visits back do you get conjugal visits we we after probably 15 years of marriage we or seven yeah after several years of marriage we did get them back or we did get them but he he yeah it wasn't great i mean it was fun he liked to cook and you know he pampered me that way he'd cook and we'd play games and we'd watch movies but it's like okay where's the kissing (laughs) Where's, where's, where's the making out, dude? You know, it's like, oh, you should have tried to be prettier. It's like, you're just telling me this now. <laughs> and I know he always had, he always had a thing about my weight. Cause I was, I was thin maybe once, but that was cause I was over medicating on thyroid medicine, which I should, you know, not intentionally. I'm never going to be a size two. I can't, it's like, it's not in my nature. I did not get the thin genes in my family. That shouldn't even matter. It, it not should not. He's supposed to even see the light of day again. And you still married him. So if you were a damn pig, he should be thankful that be. <laughs> you did everything that you did. That should not matter. Yes. And if you saw us in vis- visiting, you would have thought we were the most in love couple ever you know for a long time we were and you know I saw him a couple months ago for the last time just to go over logistics and finances and stuff and the divorce and it's like because he wasn't getting the documents I said okay the documents have been filed they're on the way yeah I got them okay so sign it and send it back I'm not asking for any money even though you owe me money I'm not asking it's like you know it's like well I loved you and it's like yeah you got to fine way of showing it and I'll miss you. I go, I can't say that back. I hope we'll always be friends. Like I can't say that back either. And you know, I go, I, I, I'm just, I have to be done. He wanted his grandma's engagement ring back that I'd been wearing for 20 some odd years. And I said, well, I, I'm going to keep it at the house. Ha- I'm going to keep it for now till, you know, if you've got a kid that wants to come get it from me, 
even though I'm not legally responsible for giving it back to you because it was a gift to me, it's like, I'll, I'll give it to one of your daughters if they will come get it. Or if you want to send me to where they live to get it, but I'm just not leaving it at the house in a box and I'm not going to mail it to any, it's like, yeah, no. So these, these weird, these weird things. And it's like, cause I, I went to England five times, once on vacation, four times to speak at conferences about the military stuff he used to do. And that, you, you know, I got paid some, but it never covered all the costs, especially not a flight to England. And it's like, well, you know, you went on all these trips and, you know, you, you weren't taking care of my needs, basically. It's like, I went to speak on your behalf. <laughs> like, I wasn't just on vacation. Yes, I enjoyed England while I was there, but I, I was going mostly to places where you told me to go check out and research and, you know, where you had done military things. It's like I wasn't just fooling around. And it's just, you know, it, it's really crazy because my first book, I wrote about all the marriages, but he got three chapters of being a nice guy. And, you know, we had this great relationship because we did until we didn't. And what it was like to visit somebody in prison and all that. And, and all these these other wonderful, you know, on the, these passions that I have that I, you know, get get excited about. But it was like, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just the bad person. <laughs> and, and all yeah. of a sudden, I am the gold digger that, you know, his family has always accused me of. And it's like, gold digger for what? Because supposedly he had all this money, which is like, well, what the fuck was it? Because <laughs> it's not coming forward. Now. I go, okay, the divorce is final. Well, I need you to prove it. I go, I, I paid to have a copy sent to you. I can't help it if the prison didn't give it to you. The trust, other trustee has a copy. She can prove to you that the divorce is final. Where's your money? You're supposed to start now giving her money to pay things for the house. So, you know, I've cut off all my payments. I've cut off all the utilities. His stuff in storage might go to the dumpster. There's no mortgage on the house, but there's a little bit of money left on a line of credit that I just kept paying that was his mom's. And it's like, um, this is June. So pretty, you know, in another month, the bank will start getting fussy. And they said, well, can we call him? I said, no, he's in prison, but you can write him. Here's his address. Tell him he's going to lose his house over less than $2,000. <laughs> so now the other trustee is trying to, you know, help him and do all this stuff. But it's like, you know, I'm writing another book. I, you know, it's like, and I shouldn't even be using this name. This is my maiden name. But it's like, I'm going to write another book. I'm not going to use his name. I haven't said his name here. But it's like, I want people to understand what it, it, it is. It's like, I had, I had no idea this was a thing this narcissism stuff and, and how they can just gaslight you. And these letters I got since we split up, it's like, Oh my God. And he doesn't even remember. See, this is the thing. He supposedly doesn't even remember. I go, you know, you were really mean. I don't remember that. It's like, how could you, I got letters, dude. I've got all the mean letters. I have all your mean texts. It's like, how could you just let me, I, I'm not going to take that. And, oh, and, and here's the, <laughs> And I don't know if this is just him or if this is narcissism, you know, but he's, he's always like, he always told me, it's like, well, you know, I think of women as pets. It's like, seriously, it's like you grew up in the fifties. I get that. So did I, but I'm not June Cleaver. I'm not Donna Reed. I mean, I love being a homemaker, but you know, I'm not the best, best at it, but you know, it's like, can you, you know what, why did you marry me? I shouldn't have to tell you that I, I married you. He married like, you to keep up with his house. And it's like, well, you can't tell me why you like me or why you married me. I shouldn't have to. Men don't do that. I go, yes, men do. <laughs> men or partners, you know, do.
do tell their partner why they like them. It's like, you can hardly give me a compliment. He had ulterior motives. Apparently. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. Could you- something that you said that I, if I could reach through the screen, I would <laughs> strangle you. Because you're Uh-oh. like, I did not meet his needs. Right. What about your needs? That's right. You, the longest marriage you've had is because the man lived behind bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we probably would have gotten divorced right away. But, but like, what What about your needs? Compatibility, you know, like yeah. sex, um, companionship, to be able to go do things. Like, I, I thought that was, I, I know, I, you know, and do strangle me a real don't, but I'm fine <laughs> now. And, and I would tell young women today, run. If your man has gone to prison, run. It's just, it's a hard, it's a very hard life. And, and again, coming from a codependent, I didn't realize I went right into another codependent relationship because it seemed like we were getting along and I was doing all these fun research projects for him. And I was going to all these conferences and yes, I lived in a nice neighborhood, but okay. If you can't keep up, you know, if, if like your neighbors are looking at you, like, why is your house falling apart? It's like, I don't have enough money to keep fixing it, dude. And yeah. And it, it took me a long time to realize it's like, yeah, my, my needs are not getting met. And I would explain this to him and he had nothing. It's like, I would tell him, I would look at him in the face and I said, you know, I'm a pretty amazing person. Nothing. I go, I, you know, I, I just was coming on and he's not going to feed into that because then you will like him sooner. I know he, he, yeah. It's like, so I just think, you know, my, my need, my needs are not getting that. And and then he would just, you know, I would try and explain things calmly in letters and then we'd start to talk. Oh, no, you were so mean in the letters. I go, I really wasn't. Have you read your letters? It's like, and I, and I can be a bitch if I need to be, but here's what's not working for me. Like here's my list. And it's just like, we just never addressed it. A good wife should, and all these sentences, they're they're part of my you know comedy routine I'm developing, or the the book, it's for both. But like, I go, what what about a good husband? It's like, what what about this mutual serving? A good husband isn't in prison for murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. So how about we date people who are in form, like real human flesh? Yes, form, yes. and we wait for at least a year of knowing them at least at least live with them for a little bit so you know how they really are we're going to take baby steps here you taking notes (laughs) yes ma'am baby steps and and that is exactly that is exactly my plan that is exactly my plan and i you know i also need to you know i'm all for me you know going out i'm going to go my my granddaughter said, Grandma, there's this place here that they do swing dancing every Sunday night. I go, I'm there. I haven't gone yet, but you know, now that I'm back from vacation and stuff, it's like, I'm gonna go just to have fun. I just like I don't even care. You know, it's not to dive into the dating pool. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a good online dater. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> I think you need to take some time off from dating and I think you need to start to love yourself a little bit. Yes. And I actually, I have been working on that because I, you know, I I think in my heart of hearts, I've pulled away from him three years ago. 
I just, it took me three years to untangle it and see if he was actually going to come up with his plan for fixing things, which was never happening. And, and I am, I'm starting, you know, it's like I've been in therapy for three years. I take a lot of walks. I do a lot of self care. I've spent time healing with my daughter. So I have started dating a little bit, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> you have to learn to be but okay he's a, with being alone. I mean, oh, I, I am. I have been. I, and I'm just saying that just started. And I've known that guy for years. So, but, you know, that just started. But, um, and I have been alone. I've been alone. Well, I've been alone for 20 some odd years, but I've technically been really alone for a good three years now because I moved up here and it's been three years. And I haven't been dating this whole time. I haven't, you know, you know, I'd see my ex a couple times, but I was just, I work and I take walks and I do things with my daughter. I went on vacation with my sister and her husband and my, my daughter's going, she wanted me to be prepared in case there would be a little onboard romance. It's like, honey, uh, there were two single activities and they canceled them because probably nobody showed up and everybody's average age, there was 70 and above. (laughs) I saw three families and it's like, it wasn't a, you know, it was a romance situation for the people who were already couples. (laughs) And I was more than fine just being on my own, on my own, or like doing stuff with my sister and her husband. And, you know, we palled around on the ship and went on all these excursions and it was a cruise. So it's like, you know, there, there was no, you know, pairing off. It just wasn't that way. I went to the spa three times. So it's like, you know, I am, very serious about taking care of myself and knowing who I am and moving on and embracing the things that are important to me and the people I meet, you know, if that, if that isn't okay with them, well, then they don't rate. (laughs) They don't rate. And I've had a lot of time to think about this and I don't even know what time it is, but it's like, if I could, you know, I've learned, I've learned a few things. It's like, number one, it's like, I have to take care of myself. And I always have, you're never too old. Like I said, I'm in my six, well, I'm almost 70, but um, it's never too late to change your life if you have to, especially if something's really not working. And the other thing is like, if you're in a dangerous situation, don't wait, don't, don't think they're going to change just because they've apologized and brought you roses. Get out of there. And, and again, I, like I did not do, don't, don't be afraid to call the cops if you have to and get the heck out of there. If you're in, definitely in danger, cause I could have died. It, it does only escalate. Yeah. I could have died. And so could have my daughter. And like you said, you have to be in love with yourself and you have to have your own interests and your own hobbies and great. If you meet somebody that, is compatible with that, but be okay if it's not, you know, it's like, I spend a lot of time with me and my cats or me out on a walk. It's like, I don't do stuff with my daughter every day. She's busy. She's got a life. She's got a boyfriend. She's got kids, you know, so it's not all about mom, which is fine. That would be too much togetherness, (laughs) but um, self-care, self-care. What? She's still on the first husband. Oh no. They, they got divorced after 20 years and, She's she's dated a few people since, but um, not as many as me. She's only had one husband. There you go. <laughs> she, she, she knows that you don't be in a contest or win any awards. But um, yeah, so it's like, and I, I'm to the point where it's like, I don't ever need to be married again, ever. And I thought that way with the last husband. It just was politically 
better probably for him to be married because you need an advocate with staff and girlfriends don't count. So yeah, no, nobody's ever going to talk to me mean again and stay in my life. And good for you. And you gotta put up boundaries. I, exactly. And I'm doing way better with that. And I, it's like, you know, I know what I don't want. Obviously I've, I've got the list and check it, it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I meet you years ago? <laughs> I was saying. <laughs> I know, you know, and it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if whether the trauma and the abuse, you know, it's like, bless you. It's like, you can get past these things. They're very hard and you can get past these things. Journaling helps talking with mentors or therapists or whatever. If you want to talk to me about my woo-woo ways of working on this stuff, that's another conversation, but <laughs> you know, spirituality helps. I'm intuitive. Um, and I'm just going to say, and I know we're, you probably are ready to close, but do you know who Glennon Doyle is? Glendon Doyle? Glennon, her name, she's, she wrote a book. She was married. She was in a very Catholic marriage for years and then they split up and, and now um, she's married to a woman and, and she's, she's this really phenomenal author and speaker. But um, she said, when heartbreak rings, answer the door. Heartbreak is one of the greatest clues of our lives. The thing that breaks your heart is the very thing you were born to help heal. Every world changers work begins with a broken heart. So, you know, if I can help share the message that, you know, you can get past these things, I've done my job. Yes. Where yeah. can people find your book if somebody would like to read your book? Oh, well, and, and here it is. It's called Midlife Magic. And it's and if you go on Amazon, it's you have to put in Midlife Magic by Joanne Richards. So that's the easiest place to find it. I also have a website, dragonhillbooks.net. If you want a signed copy, you can order it that way. And Amazon and all the online, it's ebook, print book, whatever you want. So it's it's pretty findable. And then the next book will be under a different name, but it will be all about the narcissist. <laughs> so he gets his own book. <laughs> but it won't be nice. <laughs> Good thing you're divorced. He might come after you for some proceeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But, you know, at least he cannot sue me for slander or libel for whatever the proper term is, because it's all going to be true. Right. It's like, and and again, it's like, you know, if they start the phrase with the good wife should, it's like, run, God, run. (laughs) Because what about the good husband? And to me, it's all about creating an equal partnership, married or not, just anybody you're going to be in association with especially if it's going to be a romantic it's like you know there you need to decide what an equal partnership is for you and you know so that's what i'm deciding you know i'm looking at that for you you gotta take your life back your voice back your power back i got it (laughs) i got it and like i said i'm a leo and i i've taken off probably almost a year from doing any kind of podcast and um, this is the first time i've talked about him in this light publicly so thank you <laughs> sorry i hope i didn't <laughs> no, you, were, <laughs> you were great <laughs> you because because obviously i made some pretty silly and stupid mistakes and shouldn't have stayed it's like 
when did you do? Oh, we told you. It's like, oh, I guess you did. It's taken a village to get me out of that marriage. (laughs) But life goes on. Life goes on and life does not end at 68. (laughs) I got a lot. My daughter says, you're not dead yet. I go, no. And I got a lot of activity to do. A lot of fun to have. Yeah. Good. You look great for 68. And you you know what? A size two. Ain't nobody want no size two. You need a little meat. Okay. People I'm around now think I'm just fine. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it's funny though, because now that the divorce is final, as, as one friend said, it looks like you just lost 170 pounds because visibly I'm happier and it's showing. And it's like, yeah, that I love that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that. So, yeah, it's all good. Cool. Life's good. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been really fun. You're you're a great host. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. I will. Oh, good. All links will be found in the bottom of the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please share it with them. And I am proud to announce my 501c3 is finally set in place. So if you want to check out the crimeconnection.org, please go ahead and check that out. Leave a donation if you wish. Don't forget to check out those podcasts of the month on the Deluxe Network, Growing Up Bananas, What It's Like Being an Asian Out of Your Community and in a pickle about the ever so famous pickleball. And we'll talk crime another time. Bye.